Hello and welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast based out of Perth, Western Australia. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and thank you for having me once again. Today's topic, Man of Steel, the Superman movie for a whole new generation. If you haven't watched Man of Steel but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. So when did you first watch this movie? Was it at the cinema? Yep, I caught it at the movies and loved it. Loved it from the word go? From the word go. Full disclosure, I'm a huge Superman fan and I found looking back at previous episodes on the podcast, we've done a lot of Superman shows, Smallville, Lois and Clark, Krypton, we did Steel as our last episode, the spin-off with Shaq O'Neal. I watched this midnight screening and I walked away not knowing what to think. I watched it for the first time at the cinema, again when I picked it up on Blu-ray, and I was, oh, okay, I mean, it's fine. I had many, many problems. Years later, this week, I watched it for the third time. And my experience now is completely different to what it was then, which I, I've myself found very interesting. I'm not quite sure why I'm appreciating or watching this movie differently now, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Absolutely. So we're talking about Superman, a character first published in 1938, Action Comics, issue one. So let's touch on, like we like we often do on the podcast, a little bit of history of the character. I'm not going to go crazy because, again, we've talked about Superman a lot on this show already. So just touching on Superman in film, we'll start with, we've got Chris Reeve in 1978, Superman 2 in 1980, Superman 3 in 1984, all, oh, sorry, 1983, we got Superman 3. In 1984, we got the spin-off film Supergirl, which was originally intended to have a Chris Reeve cameo, but it didn't happen at the last minute. And the closest we get is in one of the dorm rooms. Linda Lee, she sees a picture of Superman, and Jerry Goldsmith does the score for that film, but he does a little riff on the John Williams Superman theme, which I've always liked that moment. It would have been cool seeing Helen Slater and Chris Reeve Reed. together. Maybe it was a scheduling conflict. I think it was something to do with Reeve not liking how Superman 3 turned out, how it was, how people responded so to it. So he was and, disenfranchised. And there was a, a few things going on there. Yep. But he did come back for Superman 4 The Quest for Peace in 1987. Mm. Easily the worst. I'm sure you could agree with that. It's It's not a great film. But it's still good seeing Christopher Reeve again playing Clark Kent, Superman. In 2000, I think in 2006, we got Superman Returns. Brandon Routh. And I, I like him in that film. I was speaking to Gareth of this podcast mm-hmm. today, and he made a very good point. If the, the release dates, if they'd have swapped Man of Steel and Superman Returns, like if Man of Steel came out in 2006, because this film, like you loved it, but critically and audiences didn't respond to it as well as I guess Warner Brothers would have liked Mm. but if you go back to 2006 with Superman Returns we still had Smallville and people would have wanted or preferred something different whereas we got more of the same with Superman Returns and it didn't go down too well and then years later I think when when Man of Steel did come out people maybe would have preferred more of a Christopher Reeve type Superman film so he just mentioned that me today and I thought you know what I can I can see that I think it's because Superman Returns felt more like canon which was part of that Christopher Reeve verse if you will which Man of Steel was a complete departure from that we can get into that yeah and Superman Returns was canon they disregarded Superman 3 and 4 mm. and it was a sequel to that second movie acted like it never happened and Smallville yeah. I think again just having that same tone on TV with Smallville mm. and the big screen it just it just didn't click for but a not all of, people but it, was, it was a jarring disconnect for a lot of people with Man of Steel then it is a complete reboot like they they are starting from scratch there's nothing complete reboot nothing continuing or hanging over from any mm-hmm. previous movie it's what you would call a hard reboot with the plot a young boy learns that he has extraordinary powers and he's not of this earth as a young man he journeys to discover where he came from and what he was sent here to do. But the hero in him must emerge if he is to save the world from annihilation and become the symbol of hope for all mankind. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie isn't about real estate. 
that's what we got with Superman the movie. We got it again with Superman Returns. We're very much getting a different Superman movie here in almost every way. It is very much its own thing. And we can start, I guess, Henry Cavill. Yeah. How do you find him as Superman? I thought it was fantastic casting. I, I, I Admittedly, it takes a little bit, but then when you kind of get familiar and comfortable with him in the role, you start really seeing why the, like, why the higher-ups chose him for that role, and I, I think it works. I think he embodies everything that Superman's supposed to be, and um, visually he certainly looks apart. Obviously, it got very big to play him. And um, just a little nod and a wink to Christopher Reeve there with a little slick of the curly hair. Um, that's probably the only maybe link you could make, uh, tangible link you could make to the Christopher Reeve Superman. But no, Henry Cavill, Cavill was certainly serviceable and I, I, I don't have an issue with his performance. I think he did really well. I've said that my, my experience with this film now is different to my original experience. And maybe it's because we've had all those other movies. I mean, I was devastated seeing Henry Cavill in Justice League and, and he was out of his control. The whole moustache saga oh, and that. just the, his face is not looking quite right. The movie starting with Snyder and Joss Whedon. There was a massive disconnect it. there because of the tone and because of the switching directors. And there's glimpses. There's always glimpses of a good Superman from Henry Cavill. And yeah. you're right, he definitely looks, he looks the part. But what? Just rewatching it for this, I thought he was just absolutely fantastic. Mm. Like and just moments. A lot of these these exchanges are with Lois, where not really a lot's being said, and he's just sort of like just. His expressions and he's doing so much with just doing very little at times. Yeah, but that's isn't that a sign of good acting when you can let your expressions, yeah, you know, emote and and speak for you rather than words. It it is, and some people could take it as not very good acting. Like mm. he's doing less because he can't do more. But I definitely think that with what he's doing here is it's the subtlety stuff. It's it's a choice, and mm. and we don't get a lot of Clark Kent in this. I mean, I guess. We do, I mean, we do. We get flashbacks to when he's younger. We see him with trying a beard. To, yeah, trying to hitchhiking fit in, across America. Trying to assimilate. But when I, but for me, Clark Kent, it's Daily Planet. It's the glasses. You know, it's it's. And we get that toward the end. Oh, five minutes, and I'm going to do some comparing here. Like, yeah, the first time around wasn't enough, but I think going back to it now, I know we do get a little bit more in Batman v Superman and the, and the other mm-hmm. movies. But I really liked it. It was almost like a tag at the yeah. end. And just that cheeky exchange, you've got Clark, you've got Amy Adams as Lois Lane, and she smiles and she's like, welcome to the planet. So it's good to be here. Oh, man, yeah. he's making that, me smile now. That was it's... a great nod and wink. But again, this is a completely different film. And it it's, is. It's a completely different take. And she'd never been my favourite Lois. Like she, I, I like she Amy Adams as an actress, but it, she wasn't gelling for me at first. But I'm really liking her in here. In here. She's, she's great. Yeah, she knocks it out of the park. I think one of your favourite, maybe actors, but certainly characters, is in this movie. We've got Michael Shannon as General Zod. General Zod. Drew Zod. Now, you are a fan of the character first, aren't Mm -hmm. you? But then you're also a fan of the actor. Yeah. But I know from when you first watched this and how you feel about this movie, I know that Zod is a big component of that. Why do you like the character so much? I think he's really compelling because much like Thanos in Infinity War for Avengers, he's a villain that you can almost sympathize with because you see where he's coming from. And he's basically, his, his rationale and his logic and his um, his platform, what he's trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish, you can almost sympathize with it. And you can you can kind of put yourself in his shoes and say, actually, actually I can see where you're coming from there. And he may come off as insane or mad to, to others, but you can fully understand that all he's trying to do is just save his people and save his race. And if he has to terraform another planet to do it, then so be it. Um, and obviously Clark takes exception to that and with good cause because he's kind of like the, you know, the... Uh, standard bearer for humanity because uh, he's an adopted human himself but when Superman gives the line Krypton had its chance or yeah. you know Krypton has had its time mm. and yeah it's so it's so just putting a full stop in it that's it it very Done. much yeah it very much does and what's interesting in this film and I, and again sometimes I think they're doing things different for the sake of being different mm. like the Codex for example yeah. like just having it so it's embedded in Clark's DNA mm. Or Cal, he's Cal El, Clark, Superman. He's got all these, all these names. We know who he is. But so in Cal, he gets the the codex is 
it's embedded in his DNA and Zod and the other Kryptonians, they need that so they can continue as a civilization thrive and you're right and terraform the planet. Mm-hmm. But what we find out in this movie is that Clark was oh, who do I say? Clark, Cal. Cal was the first man. natural birth in years. Yeah. Hundreds of years. Yeah, naturally conceived. Because it's all done by science, manipulating genetics. Mm-hmm. You're bred to be a soldier, so you're gonna be a protector, you're gonna be a yep. man or a woman of science. Because they were all about classism, weren't they? And then see, so seeing where Zod's coming from, and it's like he's doing all—all all he knows is who he is. Yeah, it's and ingrained, it's, just, it's ingrained in him. And it's almost like he's a machine. Yeah, where he's just got one purpose, and he will do whatever it takes to carry out dire- that objective. A prime directive, because that's very much what he was from the military house of Krypton, and that was their prime directive. That's all they knew. And you know, it speaks brilliantly and excellently, I think, to. Um, Russell Crowe as Jor-El, um, Superman's father, because Jor-El is basically trying to convince you know, the powers that be at Krypton that, hey, this planet is unstable, its core is about to bust apart, we need to do something, and they turn a deaf ear to it, they don't want to hear a word of it, and he's obviously, he gets it, you know, and uh, to that extent, he this, his relationship with Zod is fractitious, because Zod wants him to join his little, little, little coup to overtake Kryptonian powers that be, parliament, as it were. Let's just spend some time on Krypton. So this mm. movie opens on Krypton, a very different Krypton that I was expecting or I was used to. I mean, if you'd have told me there's going to be a new Superman movie, Russell Crowe has been cast as Jor-El and he will ride on the back of a dragon. <laughs> would not have believed you. you would. <laughs> but it happens and it is, it is just brilliant. And the, the armour, the, the design, mm-hmm. which you always know with a Zack Snyder film that you're yep. going to get top quality visuals. design and visuals I mean he's like a master at setting up shots do you know what's great about it the fact that all the, think about all, this, all the Superman films that were predecessors and predated this we never get to see Krypton we hear mention of it um, and we hear about the lore and the kind of the mythology of it but you never actually get to see it uh, leading up to its destruction and, and what, what have you so how glorious was it to have at least 20 minutes or so I, of this yes. opening of this movie just dedicated to seeing what Krypton was like and seeing this world that Superman came from where he was rocketed away from by his parents and you get to, it fleshes out his backstory and you understand everything and you understand what's at stake I mean if we go back to 78 we did see Krypton but nothing like what we're seeing here and mm-hmm. it always seemed like we just saw like it was an ice planet or an ice surface there was that little dome that would open and close Everyone was wearing the you know that the fluorescent white mm. outfits, and you know in the comics it got incorporated that Kryptonians would wear their family crest yeah, the on house their crest. chest, but that didn't happen until that movie. Mm-hmm. Jo- uh, I was going to say Joel, but that's right. It was Marlon Brando wanted to wear the S. Yeah. So they incorporated it into the movie, and then the comics followed suit, which I think is brilliant. And whether you're looking at the comics or Smallville that the Fortress of Solitude and when we see glimpses of Krypton it always looks like it did in Superman the movie mm. the comics adapted that but years later with Man of Steel they scrapped it and they started it again and they built it as this lived in world yeah and I love the design of Krypton and it was great how they managed to reincorporate Jor-El into the movie later on absolutely and he was helping Lois and mm-hmm. he was yeah he comes back as like a ghost right like a kind of like a a holographic kind of projection. Well, it's a, it's a projection on the machine. Yes, yeah. it's not really him, but it's got Joel's memories. Yeah, which I think was great. Uh, the, human, the humanity of that was brilliant. Um, he's just a father who loves his son and wants the best for his son. And I think what's brilliant about this movie, if I, can, if I can elaborate, is that it really is a space opera. It's about a child torn between two worlds. That's a take on Superman that is original and that we've never had before and forces you to, t- to see Superman in a different context. I mean, I think back in the day, everyone thinks of him as this goody-goody two-shoes protector. And this cookie-cutter, friendly, uh, assembly line, all-American do-gooder with his undies on outside his suit. But the thing you have to remember, and I think this is what people didn't understand and why there was such a disconnect with this movie, is that no, he's not American per se. He's an alien. And America just happens to be his adopted country on Earth that he, that he resides in, in Kansas. And he really is an alien. He really does come from... A faraway planet, you know, in another galaxy, and it's 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 huge. The the scope of it is massive, and I think that's what they accomplished with this movie, and that's why it was so jarring to people who were so used to the the more Christopher Reeve kind of bumbling du- duality of Clark Kent. 
I think, yeah, I love what Chris Reeve was doing as Clark Kent. You know, I mm. think you do as well. But that was then. That, that, that's what worked for that movie. And they really are yeah. modernising it here. But we don't get to see too much of his Clark Kent. You know, the Clark Kent we've come to know, like I said before, the mm. Daily Planet. Yeah, era the Clark bumbling Kent. reporter who, you know, is an idiot and clumsy. But you're right. He can do so much more than on the surface as Clark he can be seen to be doing. Mm. They do a very good job in this with the flashbacks. Mm. It's showing like just little aspects of things that happened to him when he was a child, like when he's saving the kids with the bus, and you've got yeah, it fleshes him out so much more, it gives him so much more backstory, and you need that. You got Kevin Costner in here as Jonathan Kent, which was brilliant. It struck a really good emotional chord. And they've got the scene, like you know, Clark's like saying that, "What was I supposed to do? Just leave them, like let them die?" And then you know, kind Jonathan takes a breath, and he's like, "Maybe." Because his fear, like in this movie, Jonathan's fear is that the world is going to find out about Clark and they're going to lose him. Yeah. He's going to get taken, they're going to experiment on him. Government torture and all that. And it's not only that, the fear Jonathan has is that it's like us today. We know things to be a certain way. Mm. But all of a sudden, if something drastic changes, like Superman, your world is never going to be the same. Changes the status quo. And people aren't ready for that. And that's, that's where... Jonathan's coming from and it, it, it does seem really harsh yeah maybe you should have let the kids die and there's the scene where Jonathan his truth. himself dies mm. and you know, I had a real hang up with this first time when I watched it but the scene with the tornado yeah dog's in the car Jonathan goes back Clark's going to go first and Jonathan's like no I'll go mm. <laughs> and then obviously Clark could have successfully saved, saved everyone easily. but it was so important as a father that, he... that Clark didn't expose himself yeah and you and it's it's a really hard watch. It really yeah. is, and you just see it in Clark's face like all he wants to do is save his dad. That's all he wants to do. But his dad is very certain in what he's saying. Is like, don't. He sacrifices himself to protect Clark's truth. But it, again, I, I got it. Like you know, watched it again, and, and I got it. But it, that scene still is a hang up for me because yeah. you can't help but feel connection to. Superman, and not Superman in this, but just the character that we're familiar with in yeah. general. But in this interpretation, it's what has to happen. You go back to that Superman the movie, and they handled the death of Jonathan way better than, than it's handled here. And it's a heart attack. Mm. And it's just Clark recognising that with all his abilities, he couldn't save his dad's life. All the amazing things that he can do, this mm. is one thing that he's powerless against. And that was a really good message in that movie and, f- and for him uh, as a character. But, you know, they took a different a different route here. Yeah, but I love the dynamic between um, Kevin Costner's Jonathan and the young Clark. is a really beautiful moment, like a wonderful moment, where he takes Clark into the hangar, sh- uh, the big barn, and shows him where his craft had crashed and how they've, re- they've brought it back and put it in like a big kind of, sort of like a trench un- hidden under the, under the barn. And... Um, it's a lot for Clark to take in like he's just learning like holy crap I'm an alien um, but well he kind of gets it because he's got the powers but he just wants to fit in and be a, a, a kid from Kansas and just be a regular son and he says can't I just be a son and then Jonathan kind of embraces him and says well you are my son and that's a really really awesome moment it's so grounding I've always responded well to that yeah it's it's powerful it really is and I wrote it down here in my notes so you almost nailed it yeah. But I think there's just a little amendment to what Clark says, because it's really interesting the wording that he uses. You're right. You are my son is what Jonathan says in response. What Clark actually says is, can't I keep pretending I'm your son? Oh, it's just so, but it's so powerful because mm. he's, he's not saying, can't I keep being your son? Yeah. You know, Even for him as a kid, he's like, you know, can't I keep pretending? And then yeah. so it's like another level. It's like, yes, you're still my son, but... You're not, there's no pretending yeah. here. Like, what, I am your dad. But what makes that seem to me is the quiver in Jonathan's voice when he says, you are my son. There's a bit of hesitance. There's a yeah. bit of a quiver, and you can hear it. It's audible. And he's saying it with a lot of emotion. We're getting a very good Kevin Costner here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. He's, he's really good in this. Now, he nails I, it. I didn't know until I was doing research here, but this is dialogue, word for word, from Superman's Secret Origin, written by Jeff Johns. So it lifted from the page and put in this movie. I did not know that either. That's awesome. And uh, if you've not read Superman Secret Origin by Jeff Johns, check it out. It is absolutely fantastic. He manages to go through and take aspects of pretty much all the different histories of the character and put it in one story. That's pretty cool. 
they even like they do a flashback scene where they're in Smallville and Clark's wearing the blue t-shirt and the red jacket just like the show that's cool well let's talk about Diane Lane as Martha Kent who is absolutely fantastic in this yeah she, she is a really good Martha interestingly though the age difference between Amy Adams and Diane Lane I was surprised by she is nine years older than Amy Adams you wouldn't pick that no I, I wouldn't not pick it not off the top of my head I mean they do age you up like I guess how she looks in the flashbacks is how she looks mm. and then when she's her hair's a little more frizzled when mm. Clark's older and she's and got the kind gray. of aged it yeah yeah but that's a small a small age gap yeah and I'd imagine Amy Adams and Henry Cavill would be around a similar age as well yeah but I think she's absolutely brilliant in this like for me like Superman is way more than the character of Superman. It's it's he's got such a rich supporting supporting characters mm. and when they get the relationship right between Martha and Lois, I absolutely love it. Mm. They did it in animation for I mean now we live in a world where there's so many DC animated movies. You go all the way back to the first one that they do when they started them all, you had Superman Doomsday. And so Superman's died in that story. Lois goes to see Martha at the farm. Yep. And then she's and she just like she's upset and then Martha's trying to cover for Clark. Mm. And then Lois just says, Martha, I know. And they just break down together. I think those characters, when they're in sync with each other, the actresses, the performances, it really works. Sounds like they really translated that well on screen here. Yeah, like in you know, we get Diane Lane again in Batman v Superman. Yeah. Well, of course, we, we get Martha in but that she, movie. That was she, that upset a lot of people. The good thing is she holds her own against Zod and his Amada when they when they turn up, you know. And she she's not afraid. She's not intimidated by him at all. Watching the scene, when yeah, so you've got the Kryptonians, and they're, they're on the Kent farm, and they're they're being dicks. Yeah, to basically. Martha, and you and you're just waiting. You know he's coming. Yeah, because <laughs> like you know, Superman is not gonna stand for anybody being pushed around no. it, it doesn't matter who they are there's a smackdown coming but this is his mother yep. <laughs> like, you know and, yeah. and when he swoops in it's just it's absolutely fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. that scene where he just grabs Zod takes off with him smashes through about three or four silos and they're like skimming across like cornfields he's like you think you can threaten my mother and he's like pounding the crap out of him that was cool and a lot of criticisms around this movie was the level of destruction. Mm. And I'll put my hands up. Like, I did get caught up in that when I watched it the first time, so all these years ago. But I still knew at the time, though, that we're not watching a fully formed Superman. No. He's just put on the costume. Yeah. He's been leaping. Then he's flying. Like He's discovering all these still things. Learning. And then not only that, he's got people with the same abilities, although they're still training as him. So he's careless, he's reckless, yeah. and... So he's still and got he's, a lot to learn. And he's running with his emotions. This is very much like year one almost, you know? I mean, it's like day one, day two. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, re it's really yeah. early. It really is. Like a seasoned Superman and somebody was threatening his mum. Oh, yeah. Right? He, he's going to move he could bust him mountains up. to stop that continuing. And he could also minimise the, uh, the loss of life exactly or right. danger. But he's not going to do it the way he is here. Like no. that example that like he just gave when he's like... He's off the cuff, he's young, yeah. he's restless. He's like, reckless. You know, he's, he's finally able to cut loose. Yep. Someone that can take a punch. And his, his emotions are just running rampant. And oh, he's yeah, protecting he's had his to repress family. it. Like that scene earlier on in the, in the, in the, um, the diner where that guy like basically you know, pushes him around and stuff. And then um, he can't... You know, you can tell he wants to hit that guy and, and, and get retribution. But he goes, oh, I've got a better idea. And he walks out. When the guy walks out later on, you see his truck, big truck, just hanging off like a, some kind of like... It, like the electrical post. Yeah, the electrical really post. Number on his... And that was his way of take, letting off steam because he didn't want to hit that guy back. That was, really good, that was a really good scene when the guy just I sort of shoves him. Yeah, and he just, and he just can't move him. doesn't much. Literally can't, cannot move him. But the cool thing about that to, 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 uh, to talk about is the physics of it. And when you see Superman start to fly and learn how to fly, he puts his fist to the ground and he gets ready to take off. Like you can see gravity start swirling around dust, bits of dust, motes of dust and, and dirt and debris and stuff start swirling around him. And it's a really cool take on, on the science and the gra and the you know, like gravity and physics of how he just takes off. Like that's really cool. That's never been done before. It's and it doesn't look cheesy and ham fisted when he's flying. It, yeah, it it really works. Okay, so let so let's talk about that scene some more, but leading up to it. Mm -hmm. So this is where Clark finds the ship. He has a conversation with Jor-El. 
he sees the costume for the first time and he's finding out about who he really is. Mm-hmm. Lois is there, which was very, very different than any interpretation I've seen on screen before. But, but he gets the costume. What do you think of the design of the costume? It's the, the colour is very muted. Like, if you stand Henry Cavill as Superman from Man of Steel next to the Justice League version, they're very, very different. The design's there, mm. but they've obviously embraced the colour a lot more. I think that the, the, the emphasis they're trying to make is that it's meant to look like armour. It, it literally looks like chainmail that has a bit of colour to it, like dappled kind of colour, but not full spectrum colour. But it's very muted, isn't it? Like there's, yeah. there's times when he's been marched by the military, when he hands himself in. Yeah. It looks black, like it's very, it's very, that's very just dark. the way the light's hitting it. Yeah, you're right, you're right, and that's probably comes down to the, the lenses that, that Snyder was using and the filters that Snyder's using. A lot of filters. He's, he's yeah. known to do that. He doesn't go for. I think that's the di- distinction you can make here between DC and Marvel too, cinematically. Marvel goes for big, bright, bold, punchy primary primary colors. DC are very playing it very muted, very dark. Um, it's literally a darker palette, and I think it's great. I would say not anymore though. I would say not anymore, especially with Justice League and Aquaman. Well, that is when changing. we see aspects of Wonder Woman, mm. they they have shifted gears. They well, are moving they away to. from what Snyder started with they in, had to in this movie. Public perception was coming down on them. Well, the costume you mentioned red trunks earlier. We get no red trunks here. What I find very interesting though, because the joke had always been, is that Superman as a character wears his underwear on the outside. What not a lot of people have picked up on in Man of Steel, he is still wearing his underwear or his undergarments on the outside because if you look back on Krypton Jor-El was wearing a similar costume and the armor goes on top Mm. Superman in this isn't wearing the full outfit he's only wearing the undergarment with the cape yeah I thought it was a really good design choice and like showing that right this is this is how he's going to look to everyone but if you look at people on Krypton as a standard they're not going to walk around like that because they've got more like mech suits or you know the big you know the big bulky armor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he's essentially wearing undergarments yeah, in this and movie. You're right; it does look very streamlined. But I think the costume, the costume works. The, he's got the S shield. It does it. still irk me though, where Lois is like, "What does the S stand for?" And he's mm. like, "It's not an S." You know where I come from, and it's like, "Yeah, but you're from here." Stop fooling. You know it's an S. We all know it's an S, but I get it means something different. But when he's like, he's saying to her, "It's not an S." Yeah, we can all see it's an S. Yeah, but that's lifted from the uh, Mark Wade maxi or miniseries Birthright. That's where it was established that, that tone, it stands for hope. The connection. That yep. the S means hope. And on, it works. On it works. On. I mean, it's interesting if you look at the um, the symbol on Zod's outfit. That's the Zod House crest. So there's two different. You know, that's the hope symbol is the uh, the House of L crest and the weird kind of sickle shaped thing that uh, Zod's wearing is the you know the Zod house crest so they're family crests just as much uh, as they're anything else but they just have different meanings and again you got Superman the movie to thank for that that's yep. why all the different houses wear the different crests yep. on the chest because of um, that movie yep so the effects in this movie are absolutely phenomenal I guess we'll be able to speak to some of our favorite scenes but before we get to that let's talk about the music mm. now with this film to completely distinguish it from any other Superman movies it's the first one to be made by Warner Brothers not to have the John Williams thing they completely eradicate that score they want nothing to do with it and they come in they don't even come close they don't even there's no riff there's no homage there's nothing and the composer on this I'll go on record as saying it's my favourite composer ever like you know you've got the big composer John Williams yeah Danny Elfman but yeah Hans Zimmer I absolutely love his music. Now, I can sit and listen to one of his soundtracks start to finish. Yeah. I've not even seen the film. I don't need to. I just love mm. his music. And the music in here, I will say the John Williams theme, you just can't beat it. It, it is just so iconic. And just matching that with the super feats, it's perfection. Yeah. But if we're talking about start to finish a complete piece, like comparing the scores, mm-hmm. this one wins hands down. I'm right there with you because I love what Zimmer's done here. And the score sounds like a real call to arms. And it sounds like a real get up and fight, get up and stand for what you believe in type thing. And it's, it's adventurous and it sounds like, you know, world building at its best, at its best. And I love that score so much to the point where I'll just be noodling on my guitar and I'll be trying to, like, 
recreate it. I'll be trying to play it on my guitar, and I've managed to do it, not to brag, but I managed to kind of get something very close to it just by playing my guitar. But I love the sheer sound of that of that score, and it just it's it's so staggeringly big and dynamic and bold, and it's miles away from what Williams was doing. I think Williams' score was very cammy and camp, but not completely worked and still it works. This, it works yeah. in the context of what it was trying to do. It doesn't work. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't in this work movie. here. This is way more serious. This is way more okay. We're in the the real world now, you know. And I love the the the, the responsive tone, uh, the bright strident responsive tone that this score has with the with the menacing dark undertones. You know, on the uh, double CD, there's a a it. sketchbook track, yep. and it goes about half an hour, and it samples like uh, alternative takes, and it's like one running thing, and it's the different sounds of the movie, yeah. and I absolutely love it. I, just listening to that in a half an hour block is like, yep. one of my favorite things. But then the album start to finish. Now to pull the curtain back a little bit, when we were talking about finding an episode to do together, admittedly, you know, we were tra- we we're struggling trying to find something. And then this happened to pop up on my um, on my iPhone, and I started listening to the score. I think, oh, it'd be great to talk about this, and then knowing how much you enjoy the movie. Absolutely. So, so we're here talking about it today because of the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. It's the, it's the connection. It's the tether. I love it. I mean, you look at. I mean, for example, just quickly look at that scene where Zod's being court-martialed and um, and they, they punish him into the Phantom Zone. Uh, they they send it. They banish him there, and then the the, the ship takes off and everything, and just that big bright strident thing kicks yeah, in and, and, it's and it's loud, just, it's loud and it's yeah and it just throbs and just it just uh it's it's so enveloping and you can't not when you're in the cinema it, it's you're right there with it and it's like you are being lifted up into that ship with the score and you know the perspective that it takes with that big triangle opens you know you're you're there you're right there with it because the score is is doing its job in bringing you and immersing you into the into the movie oh man i, I could not have said it better and you're getting taken on a journey like because in a movie, really you, the music, the the pace for film, you need different speeds. There's different things happening, and it doesn't sound like this is just one version of a soundtrack. No, it's like it's, it's like a patchwork. It is, but it all gels together and it, and it flows. It it's the emotional beats too, and you need to, as a composer, you're trying to do that and get those tap into those emotional beats to reach your audience and create some resonance. So we like the music then. Yeah, yeah, it's we, we, we agree. Okay, so we can speak to some of our favourite scenes, and I guess we've chucked a few out there already. We've talked about the look and feel of Krypton. I think we've done that. The first time we see adult Clark in action is saving the oil rig, which mm-hmm. is in the process of exploding. That's right. We're getting topless Superman. He's got a hairy chest. Screaming his guts out. You know, and a lot of these Superman movies, or not even just Superman, superhero movies... They've always got a watch chest. Yeah, clean shaven. And it was Henry Cavill that didn't want to take that approach. And he no. was looking at, I think, the, beard as well. the John Byrne era. And there's many different like reference points in the comics. Even the Death of Superman comics, he's got the hairy chest. Yeah. And he just wanted to but be... it works. Yeah, he does. And, and it I, speaks to the humanity of the character, uh, uh, which is you know like polarizing considering he's actually an alien. But it speaks to uh, the fact that he is very humanoid, very human-like, and just wants to fit in on, on this planet. But it's a great scene where he's still testing himself mm. and although he saves everybody he does go down with the oil rig yeah. and then when we later see him it was washed up there'd been whispers that Aquaman saved him this was back in 2013 years later Zack Snyder came out and confirmed that's what happened wow and then in the movie Aquaman they have you seen Aquaman yet? not yet so I don't want to spoil the movie but you do see a shot of the oil rig oh okay so then that's, that's further nice cementing that nice little Aquaman was was involved. Plot device. Which I like because this is a movie that launched the DC Extended Universe. Which we really need to touch on as well. And we will. We yep. will. I'll, I'll save time. We'll, okay. we'll have time to touch on that. What else do we have? Okay, we're talking about when when Clark was young and he's got that scene where his X-ray vision is activating Kicks for the in. first time. and. Martha comes in and what she uses, like, listen to my voice, you're an island. You know, and just like whenever your powers get out of control, and you can think, you can, you can say this is about superpowers, you can say this is about anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to, is your comparison. It's a metaphor for anxiety, but it's certainly. When things get too big, just go small. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what he had to do in that moment. He was able to shut everybody else out. He could only only hear his mum, and, yeah. and she. It, it's, it's like a guided a meditation. Thing. 
It's like a, a guided meditation. It's a truism of um, of anything. When things are overwhelming and when you're overwhelmed, you do. You go small. You focus on your breathing and you concentrate on that. So that's kind of what that scene was establishing. It's a really like it's a really powerful scene. Oh yeah. We've talked about how Superman he gets his costume for the first time and and he's flying and at first and he's starting to test his limits and he's jumping because you know originally Superman could only leap he leaped tall buildings in a single bound he couldn't actually fly I think that was something that was changed for the movie serials where they didn't find it was as visually interesting mm. if he could leap really far to, yeah. to, to have him fly which you know we all want to see big Superman fly conclusion yeah but the, the joy on Henry Cavill's face like when he's finally getting a handle on it and he's embracing it because he's just because he's always known he's different and he's got these abilities but he's never had to really push himself mm. but things are happening and then he starts to fly but he doesn't really get to enjoy it mm. he doesn't get to slowly discover all these things like and you look at Smallville yeah. Clark had 10 years on TV yeah. he had a long time to, to hone his abilities yeah. where he's, he starts flying he's, he's enjoying himself he's smiling and then alien invasion Yeah. and then it's all doom and gloom and it's like oh crap I've got to save the world yeah but that was I always go back to that scene and just and the music and you talked about how the environment's reacting around him using his abilities like yeah. it's got some sort of field around him which I think makes a lot of sense there would be a degree of physics involved and I think that we're really smart to, to address that and we've talked about Zod but we've also got I want to say Feora mm-hmm. yeah Feora and um, she in, in this movie I guess she is Ursa which yeah. if we look at Superman the movie and Superman 2 we did have Sarah Douglas as Ursa yeah but she, I believe, was a character, maybe she had one appearance or maybe was even created for that movie. But in the comics, it was always Feora. And, and instead of working with Zod, it was Jack Sir. That's right. Who does have a part in this movie. Like, he's one of the guys that's working behind the scenes for Zod. Mm. And when they did the Superman, the animated series in the 90s, it wasn't Zod. It was Feora and Jack Sir. So it's interesting how they've just mashed Changed the two together. Around. yeah. Because you, you could think, okay, so here's Zod. Here's his strong-willed, capable female lieutenant, and here's the big, mindless brute who yeah, we the, do get in this movie. The brute that you're talking about, I was just about to mention that. Is it non, or is it... Um... See, that's that's the point I'm making. It's not non, but if you've just watched the Christopher Reeve Superman films, it would yeah. be easy to say, here's Zod, here's Ursa, and here's non. Yeah. But they didn't do that. So it's Zod, Feora, and I, unfortunately, I didn't note down that guy's name, but it's definitely I thought it was, not non. I thought it was non, because non was a mute. And it was. So it's this guy. But it, it's it's not. I, again, I, I didn't write the character's name down, but it's definitely. We'll have to research that. We'll have to. Um, yeah. have to look it's, that up. it's something Kryptonian, you know. Yeah. But, it, but it doesn't begin with N. I think it maybe even begins with J or something. But that's all part of it. Like the fight scene between Superman, Feyova, in Smallville, and there's a huge amount of damage. And oh, yeah. Visually we've not seen that in a Superman film before it's amazing like their abilities obviously match Superman's and the Kryptonian abilities are incredible and one thing to note one thing that's worth noting is that even the Kryptonians when they come to Earth have to hone into Earth's atmosphere and get used to that the dynamics and the subtleties of it because even Zod struggles to harness sunlight and, and, and filter it because Superman's had so Clark's had years Kal-El whatever you want to call him has had years to adjust to Earth's uh, atmosphere and he's fine with it but um but maybe it wreaks havoc with him when he's younger, like you see those, those X-ray scenes that you're talking about. But for Superman, sorry, for Zod and his crew, they're still kind of they have to wear special kind of um, de- breathing devices because they, if they were to expose themselves to Earth's atmosphere, it messes with their senses, and that's what happens in the first fight between Zod and Superman. And it also happens when Superman first gets taken to the ship. Yeah, he's not used to their atmosphere. That's right. Pure sci-fi. I love it. Oh, it's me too. Really me good. too. That's, that's another thing. It's, it's a space opera we're dealing with here. This isn't kitty, fun time, happy Superman, super friend Superman, no. And we've got Zod making his big entrance. Which was awesome. And it's almost like a Max Headroom type thing where he's, he's all distorted, he's, he's on TV and he's basically saying, we're here, you're in trouble. That is my favourite scene in the whole movie, the, the whole we are not alone, you're not alone scene, and the way it translates to every single language around the world so everyone can understand what he's saying, and the way that when people like point at the screen and they have a phone in their hand while they're pointing, that will then jump onto their phone and the technology spreads. And wow, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's cool. when you look at that lady and she points at the screen but she's holding her phone while she's pointing, it then just sort of, if you watch, it jumps onto her phone and she's wow. looking at it through her screen too. So that so his message is, is spreading like a technovirus. Oh, that's really cool. I love it. I think it's so good. That's my favorite. And it's so 
ominous and foreboding and you can imagine like a real if, if aliens were to really in, invade it would be something like that it would be that kind of technology it wouldn't just be like they hover over the skies bang here we are it's like they would announce it using um, what they could observe to be the technologies of, the, of, of this planet at the time and they would take advantage of that to announce their presence and that's exactly what Zod and the Kryptonians did and it just works because it's so intimidating and scary and it's that ship, the Black Zero, that they're going to use to terraform the planet. And they're essentially like lifting things up to drop them down again. And they're yeah. going down to the Earth. It's a world hole. engine. Yeah. They call it the world engine that terraforms. That's so, right. we, so we're getting to the third act then. So we, we had the big fight in Smallville. Again, like visually incredible. We've not seen that in, in a Superman film before. And then it continues. And it just gets bigger. And you had to have your finale, your big fight in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And there's buildings crumbling left, right, and center. And you've got to think... Massive loss of life. Exactly. They've not all been evacuated. But it's bigger than Metropolis. Like, Superman, he's... Again, like, first, second day on the job. First week, at least. Mm -hmm. And he's saving the planet. Trying his best to. Yeah, but but he does. He saves the planet. But then there's... He can't save everybody. And the Superman we know from comics like Silver Age and the Christopher Reeve movies... Yeah. He pretty much did save everybody. Yeah, There was not a lot... Of loss of life. No. But it happens in these movies because, like you say, it's more mature, they're going for a more real take. Yeah, that was the point. I think the point was they were trying to really ground this in the real world and what would happen if something like a catastrophe of those levels was to play out, you would get loss of life and he couldn't save everyone and there would be unsurmountable damage that's happening across the city. And that's something that's seen from Ben Affleck's uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, from his angle, at the start of Man of uh, not Man of Steel, um, Batman versus Superman, the follow-up to Man of Steel, you start to see from his side of the story the the, the extent, the scale of the damage that's that's unraveling from the human level. From the human from the level, because he rocks up to see it all playing out. And he sees it from his point of view. The fight that happens in Man of Steel is witnessed from Bruce's perspective. Since rewatching Man of Steel, all I've wanted to do is rewatch Batman v Superman. Yeah. For that, for what you were talking about there, just to see the other, like the, the other side, side of the coin. It. But I've been waiting until we record this today because I didn't want to get confused yeah. by what happened yeah. in that movie and and this movie. But yeah, but it's the opening to that film was just genius. It's brilliant. It really so serves to show you the duality between the two. It goes to show you both sides of that coin, you know, and um, you get a really interesting look at how humanity perceives that fight, or at least humanity in the form of Bruce Wayne receives that fight and how Bruce in no uncertain terms thinks that Superman is is is, is, is terrible or like his influence is, um, is evil and he needs to respond to it. Well, it Bruce demands has, response. Bruce has seen what somebody with his powers can do. He's capable of. Yeah. And that's that what terrifies he's worried about. Him. He's not in, in Barbie Superman, you know, he's not afraid of what he will do now. He's afraid of what he could do mm-hmm. or he's afraid of what he could do if he manipulated if there's like there's a threat against someone he loves it demands a dramatic response but we're talking about Man of Steel yeah and we're talking about loss of life in this movie and there's a big life lost oh yeah and it's Zod which is really really bizarre okay I I did struggle with this because I I come from a place where Superman who I know always finds another way yeah which is like make believe it's fairy tale because in, in real life nothing's perfect like there's there's gray area and that's what's happening in here but re-watching it for this zod is clearly stating i will not stop and he's attempting to use his heat vision to kill innocent lives yeah and I, that was jarring to me i mean like i understand zod's motivation but what would have been more satisfying for me is had he have not been killed by superman um for anyone out there who hasn't seen it Spoiler alert, he snaps Zod's neck. He's got no choice. But I think the more satisfying and fascinating ending to me would be a, a, a solution where he doesn't kill Zod, but is able to incapacitate him so that US authorities could take him in and, and interrogate him. I think that would have been a really... Fa- Can you imagine how fascinating it would be to have Zod in some kind of cell that's able to contain a Kryptonian? And then the the mind games that would play out between the authorities and Zod when they try to probe him for answers as to why he's here and what he, what he wants to accomplish. I think that would have been way more fascinating. I've really turned around on this, and I think what happens in the movie is the right thing to have happened. Mm. For an inexperienced Superman that is recognising that there's lives at, at risk, and not only does he have to stop Zod in this moment, he has to stop him forever. Yeah. 
Like what you're talking about, that's Batman throwing the Joker in Arkham Asylum. Mm. Joker's going to get out. Yeah. And he's going to kill again. Yeah. And Zod would not... And keep Zod's not talking about committing crimes here. He's, he's talking genocide. about wiping out the human race. Yeah. So it's, it's a moment and something that he heavily... Regrets as soon as he snaps yeah, he to do it. Zod's neck. It is a, a thing he did not want to do it, but Zod's saying he's just if you've you got one it. choice here. Mm. If you want to save people of Earth, you need to kill me. Yeah, because I wouldn't stop. The, he's putting him on the spot. That is very true. It's very true, actually. I hadn't considered it from that point. But this of view. is why I'm like, just my mind's blown watching it again for this because I'd watched it years ago and, and that was always my thought of the film. Now to rewatch it, I thought, you know what, what I'll do is I'll break it down to sections, I'll work my way through it and I ended up watching it start to finish. So it got one o'clock in the morning and I just pressed stop, finished the whole thing and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And it was just, it's very rare that I will go back to something and have a completely different take or appreciation of it. And that's what I had with Man of Steel. I loved it straight away off the bat because I just loved the the different take on it, the space opera take on it that I've been talking about, and the you know the child torn between two worlds. It's just such a, a really interesting perspective, and it's a really great way to tell to tell us to tell the tale. And that was really jarring for people. I mean, I remember there was a coworker I used to work with who saw it, and I remember him ranting and raving online that he didn't like it, and he wanted the classic Christopher Reeve. Where was bumbling? You know, clumsy. Clark Kent, where's the Daily Planet, where's Jimmy Olsen, all that. And that comes later on. But Oh, Jimmy does not get service well. No, he doesn't, he the, doesn't. The, but all yeah, that comes okay. later Go on. Come on, we, we know. But uh, what, what this co-worker had failed to understand was that this was a complete retelling and this was a way to do it in a much more modern science, science fiction context. And, and, it, and it just works and I love it to pieces. And it's that thing, isn't it? If you want that Superman movie... Go back and watch the reboots. Go back, yeah. yeah. They, they exist. So they're there for this, they've, they've made something new yeah this, this is not the old school so if we want to give our rating I think we, we've kind of talked around it I think we both like it we've said, we've said that start to finish yeah. but if you were to rate it out of 5 oh dude this gets a 5 I mean that's high and, and I wouldn't say too high because I'm going to come in I can't believe I'm saying this because if I'm honest I'm going from a possible 3 3.5 really to a 4.5 okay like I'm jumping a whole point. It's because this is my favorite character of all time, and I I don't know whatever it was. Maybe it's because you know we can we can touch on what's happened since Man of Steel in a moment. But maybe those films have informed my decision, and maybe going back to it after not necessarily enjoying all those other movies, maybe that's part of it. Or maybe it's because we know Henry Cavill isn't necessarily coming back. Mm. We're still waiting on confirmation on that. I don't know who the new Superman's going to be. Hopefully it's still Henry Cavill. Yeah. Right? It's not completely ruled out. Yeah. I think Warner, Warner Brothers and DC have really shot themselves in the foot you know, with everything that's happened. I think they could have done better by him. Yeah. But putting that aside, mm. it is a 4.5. It, it is a 5 out of 5 soundtrack. Henry Cavill is great. He is Superman in this. I had so much fun rewatching this and I'm so glad we did the podcast because without it I'd have still been thinking about Man of Steel as being this okay movie that came out years ago yeah yeah for me everything you said just rings true and I couldn't agree with you more but I'm just giving it a solid five because I enjoyed the hell out of it and the soundtrack for me is just incredible I love it um I, I'm completely enamored with it and Michael Shannon to me was the was a big big ticket item for me in this film because I to, in order to research the role like I I watched him in Boardwalk Empire, and just to see the rage he channels in uh, um, in the character he plays in Boardwalk Empire, I just thought to myself, this guy is gonna absolutely nail Zod because Zod just comes out with like a just um, a steam head of rage, and um, his anger is so intimidating, and the way he grimaces and scowls, and just he oh, he owns and chews up every single scene he appears in, and it just nails it, and you believe his conviction, you know, and the way he threatens, you know, like. Uh, Laura, um, Laura, one of uh, Superman's mum. He says, "I will We've not find, touched on her yet. I will find. Not. I will find him." And I know that's become somewhat of a meme joke now, especially with Where's Wally and everything. But if you if you think about that scene, it's oh, it's, it's still impactful. you believe him. You, yeah, you are, you are scared crapless that he will track down her son. He will go across galaxies to do it. And when he comes out of the Phantom Zone, he is really revved up and ready to go. And I think he just was a was a great villain. And he's you know like probably the bench. The benchmark for me in terms of villains now like every movie i watch now i'm like is the villain as badass as general Zod? 
in Man of Steel. And what you've just touched, I mean, yeah, Shannon is phenomenal in this. What you've just touched on there, so there's always been the thing where to to save Kal-El, his parents send him away from a doomed planet. Mm -hmm. But what's happening here, that's still happening, but you've got this mad general that is stating to the mother of the child, I will find him and I'll kill him. Yeah. It's horrendous. It's It's just adding that extra layer. Okay, so we've done Man of Steel. Let's talk about the the DC Extended Universe. We've already touched on Batman v Superman. I mentioned when we were talking about Diane Lane as as, uh, Martha Kent, the whole Martha scene, you know, divided people. Everyone calls it the Super Martha Brothers, and it's true. Yes, which, you know, it it does get silly. You know, I wanted to do Man of Steel today as well because that film, Stu, we've covered all the DC EU movies since Batman v Superman. So this one came before our time. So I always right. want to go back and touch on it. But we did a full review for Batman v Superman. And, you know, it, it's still available. I did enjoy that movie. It's not perfect. I'm not a fan of Doomsday in that. But Martha has never been an issue for me. Because, yes, they have the same name. And that comes from the comics. Martha Wayne, Martha Kent. But it was just, for me, it was more about Superman having a human family. It broke through Bruce's rage. You know, anyway, we don't need to get it, get into that. Yeah, um, you don't see it as me being a mere plot device. No, it's just something that was there and I've never had an issue with, but... Yeah, I've never lot, had a problem with it either. Of people, I don't see why everyone's so up in arms about the Super Martha Brothers. But in the same year as Batman v Superman, we got Suicide Squad. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence with that one. That didn't really do well for me. I watched opening night and I was driving home from the cinema and I was thinking... I just don't know what to think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really couldn't have an opinion on it. I, I like my initial impressions of it were in, in the cinema where it was I liked it, but then there were parts of it that just didn't didn't sit right with me. And then upon repeated viewings, I worked out what it was, and I just think it's just it doesn't hold up. It's not it's not as strong as it could be. To me, it was a vehicle for purely for, to market Harley Quinn. And I, I hate the fact that it's you got about half an hour. It's it's like watching MTV. Yeah, you know, it really you know, is. It's, sort it really like, it's like is. music video after music video. Everyone gets their own intro. You know, you're seeing them and the songs. I, it really is. It's just like an Xbox game or something. A lot of problems. You know, originally, you know, it ends up being something to do with Enchantress and her brother and you've got demons and those big, like, like coal or like, it's been a while since I've seen those clay monsters. Yeah. Originally, they were going to be power demons. Mm. Just like with Justice League, originally it wasn't Steppenwolf, it was Darkseid. It sounds like what they were planning originally was so much better than what we got. But there's some charm to Suicide Squad, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's got some moments, but it's, it's just, it, it didn't really hit home. It didn't really hit all its marks. And it's, it's to me, it's the, it's the weakest link in the DCEU chain. That's the best way of putting it, actually. It's got some good moments. Mm. It's got some terrible moments, yeah. but it's got some good moments, and that's what it is. It's just everything just chucked together. Yeah. I do like Will Smith as Deadshot. I think he's good. What Margot Robbie is great as yep. Harley Quinn. I'm not that taken I, with Jared Leto as no, Joker. I, I didn't care for it. I didn't. He, you know, I heard this described brilliantly once, and I'm going to reiterate it as best I can here. Someone once said that Jared Leto's Joker plays like a z-list celebrities instagram account and i thought you know what that is spot on yeah it's it's just a shame because as an actor i do like leto and joker is such a great and interesting character and they were always gonna have to do something different to Heath Ledger. oh yeah because he's the high watermark and how do you how do you top that yeah but i don't know and and you know they've just recently announced that the multiple joker movies that were going to be happening with leto Mm -hmm. have been either put on hold or scrapped all together yeah. they're not happening we were going to get a, a Joker and Harley movie now it's Harley's going to be in Birds of Prey yeah and then the, the Joker project they are moving forward with is the Joaquin Phoenix one comes out this year Yeah. later this year can't say I'm terribly excited standalone about it. I'm excited for that one I don't know if I'll, I'll reserve judgement if we're going to get these in continuity movies and every now and then we'll get like a one and done I'll reserve, I'm, I'm intrigued yeah I'll reserve judgement I'm um, intrigued about that one well, continuing with the uh, DCEU, which I've never liked that either. I've yeah, never liked yeah, it that. doesn't work. Marvel Studios, perfection. <laughs> just, you get it. The MCU works. is just, everyone knows what the MCU is and it works. I remember around the time of Batman v Superman, a new official social media account start, whether it was Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, DC Films. That would have worked. And and that is still active Short, now. Simple. And that would share like all the DC properties but DC Extended Universe has never 
being something that they've roll, used officially. Doesn't roll off the tongue very well, does it either? It's well, blah 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 blah. Well, they never say it. The DC themselves have never used it. Mm. You watch Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, all of these movies, you will not see anywhere DC extended universe. It's I think it's what the media picked up on, and it's never been corrected. So people have just continued. Wouldn't, why wouldn't to they use call it the DCMU, DC movie universe, or or just call it I don't know DC films? Yeah, they've picked that name anyway. It's short and sweet. It's, it's a verified account. It's got the tick. Yeah. So why not just stick that's with really, that? That's really bizarre. 2016, we got Wonder Woman. Didn't see it, um, but I want to. What? Wonder Woman? Yeah. I never I never watched it. You've never watched Wonder Woman? No. Nope. Everyone's astonished when I say that. We need to stop the podcast. <laughs> We're going to go and watch Wonder Woman, and then we'll pick this up. All right. Holy <laughs> shit. You have never seen Wonder Woman? No. I just never got around to it. Right. You know, I think I know why. Because okay. it reminds me of my ex, because she was really big into Wonder Woman. Right. Yeah, that's okay. a whole other story. But I'm going to put that aside. I'm really going to make an effort to strive to watch that movie and see what I think of it. Well, Nathan's got some homework. You need to I go agree. and watch Wonder Maybe we should make Wonder that our next podcast. I've done it already. Oh, you crap. can hear what we thought about that on that film shoot. We Double covered <laughs> Wonder Woman start to finish, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You just wait until you see No Man's Land in that movie. It is just absolutely fantastic. Oh, it man. is. It is a great film. Well, I'll tell you what. We've got it on DVD at work. I'll go buy it and I'll watch it. And I'll tell you what I think. It's on Netflix. Oh, the well, whole thing is on Netflix. No yeah. excuse. I don't have Netflix, but my girlfriend does. I exactly. Watch it hers. No excuse. I'm sure she'd be more than happy yeah. to sit down and watch Wonder Woman with you. Absolutely. Justice League later that year, 2017, and this movie wasn't the movie we thought it was going to be. Hmm. Yeah, that's very true. It's got its moments. Yeah, again, <laughs> again. I as a film, I'll say this: it's better than Suicide Squad. Of course, it is. I liked it. A lot of, of people. It's better than Suicide of, Squad. Yeah, a lot of people had had like an opinion about it. A lot of people didn't like it. Everyone wanted to poo-poo it because it's fashionable to poo-poo DC movies, and I get that. But I liked it. Uh, I will. I will say that some of the special effects are terrible. Um, I will say that um, you know it's. It's got it's got it's good sides and down and, and it's downsides, but I liked it. I don't know why I do, but I just do. I just thought it was pretty cool. There's a lot of things to like about it, and then there's things to not like about yeah. it. Yeah, it feels like a movie. Oh, you can tell with it's... two directors. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely. Yeah, that's we've two very different directors. I suppose as well. that's the big thing is the jarring shift in tonality. I mean, when Snyder stepped down and was it Joss Whedon came yeah. in and took over, you can really see um, the the shift there. Whedon's trying to make it more comedic and more springy and bright, bright even, and bouncy even the soundtrack Junkie XL who did Batman v Superman yep. he did Mad Max Fury Road yep. this guy is fantastic and he was doing the score mm. and then when Whedon came on board he left and they brought in Danny Elfman and like, I love Danny Elfman I really do he's one of my favorite, probably my favourite composer but he is underused here or he's just not really doing what he needs to be doing here I, honestly, I, I was very disappointed by mm. the music, the, the soundtrack for this film. I think this movie could have worked and benefited so much better had they just stuck to the original vision and had they just stuck to their guns and made the whole thing a cohesive whole with one director, but it just wasn't meant to be. It's an ongoing play online, release the Snyder Cut. Like, people believe it exists and they want to see it. Yeah, I, They want to see Zack Snyder. I want to see it. I want to see Justice it. As, I do, I do as well. Uh, they should, they should release the Snyder Cut. Everyone's if it exists, it. if it exists. I think it does, he's probably I, just sitting on it. I think they should, I'd love it if they put it out and, and going back and watching Man of Steel and it just let the guy have a trilogy. Like, yeah. he just let him finish and let he, do he it. didn't let get to it. it. I mean, uh, what happened to him was very tragic and it sucks and, but when, when, he, when the time is right, I think he should be allowed to share his vision with the world and say, here's what I originally intended to do. I couldn't because some terrible things happened and I had to step down, but here's what I wanted to do and this is what, what it would have been like. And I think yeah. people would love it and people would say, well, this would have really worked. Oh, man, it's a shame because, you know, being a comic book fan, like the idea of getting a Justice League movie was just sort of been, like yeah. the, the best. It was you know, right get there better with, than that. It was right up there with the Avengers. It would have been... I'd say... Kind of, like I would have, you know, I wasn't. I mean, I like the Avengers movie, you know, mm, and, and it, is, it is good, but it's not something I'd always been wanting. Yeah. Whereas a Justice League mm. film, like whether it's the comics, the Bruce Team animated series, just loving the characters together and yeah. to see them in live action, and then we get it, and it's, and it's this. Yeah, but it also speaks to whether you were brought up as a, whether you came up as a DC kid or a Marvel kid. Always like both, but you know, if we're gonna, you know, pick, then yeah, DC. 
I've, I've never been backwards. Look, I, 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 I love both. And admittedly, yes, I was late to the party on DC. I read Marvel for many, many years before I picked up DC. But um, then I picked up DC, and I, I love both. I'm loyal to both publishers, and I, I don't get the rivalry between the two of them. I don't get why people want to, you know, howl one down and build up the other. I think they're both great. Why can't we just be happy for comics in general and, and dig comics as a whole yeah no i agree completely but i think it's your entry point as well to the yeah. to the universe whether it's marvel or or dc yep. like my co-host in that film Hugh jason like his favorite character is spider-man there you go and he's pulled more towards marvel whereas for me superman and, and i DC. like both but i will admit that marvel's movies are definitely uh, more high-end product than what DCs have been and marvel are knocking it out of the park they got it right because they, yeah. they took the time to, they took the time to build their universe but if you if you compare it though, so hmm. the first movie was Iron Man, yep. then the Incredible Hulk, which didn't do well, then Iron Man two, not the best, then they did Captain America, then they did or was it oh no they did Thor and then Captain America, so there's five films, and then they did Avengers. Mm-hmm. If we look at what DC did, their first film was Man of Steel, then Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League. They, no, Wonder Woman, then Justice, Justice League. League. So where DC had their fifth film being the team movie mm. Marvel's it team was movie. only one behind Marvel yeah. so for me it's not it's not that different mm, no, I think there are subtleties there to be explored but then if you look at the the quantity of movies that have been made since yeah yeah and Marvel would just hit the ground running I mean they like I said they built they, they built their universe you're saying they hit the ground running they did with Iron Man they didn't do well with Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 wasn't that well received it wasn't until they were coming back with Thor and Captain America and then Avengers so, you know they made a good first impression with Iron Man but then it took until Thor and Captain America for them to really start being the studio that we know them to Paradoxically, be if you look at DC's movies the way they kind of rush towards their team movie a little too quickly and they try to shoehorn their characters in a little too much um and, oh, uh, Iron Man too. Yeah, <laughs> there's oh, your yeah, warning in that. Yeah, we, we're not. We don't need to get no, too we far. Don't, we don't, yeah, we, we don't need to cut. Let's okay. DC extend the universe. 2018. We got Aquaman. Mm. Billion dollars. Who saw that coming? Like, and the movie. I've got a feeling you. You, you said earlier you've not seen. Not seen it. So the two, the two I haven't seen are Wonder Woman and Aquaman. I must get around to seeing those. And they're the two best received DC films Which is really... of the DCEU yeah. that you've not seen. Mm-hmm. Aquaman had a lot of fun I think we get it here in Australia home release in March really looking forward to going back and watching that a second time I really had a lot of fun watching that on the big screen April this year Shazam oh that's going to be awesome looking forward to Shazam yeah the trailer for it just is just awesome looks like a lot of fun yeah and yeah. after that we're going to get Birds of Prey and they're just going to keep yeah. making these movies hopefully we get Man of Steel 2 yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think it's 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 a ways off, but I think it's it's going to happen. Uh, whether Cavill's going to be in it or not is is you know subject to a lot of debate. It needs to happen. Negotiation, something soon, because yeah. it's it's just going to be too late. There's a lot of like mixed signals that they're putting out through you know media channels about this. You know, is the studio saying, well, no, we have you know we haven't let him go of the, of the role yet, and you know he hasn't hung up the cape yet, and don't hold you know don't don't lose hope and stuff like that. So I've got hope. Mm. It's I think he'll come back I think hopefully, he hopefully he comes back hopefully without a moustache yes but I think he'll come back of course Yeah. although that, that moustache was pretty oh, spectacular musta- Mission Impossible oh yeah but the moustache gate fallout from Justice League oh, boy even even I saw even when I saw that and I just thought something's not quite right his upper lip there you can tell they digitally removed the moustache the opening scene when he's talking to the kids mm. his face just it's like morphing yeah yeah it's really weird did you see Mission Impossible fallout no fantastic my number one movie of last year absolutely loved it and Henry Cavill is great moustache and all you can justify the stash oh and I'd rather I'd rather have had yeah anyway yeah (laughs) I'd rather have been able to just look like him and yeah that's true but it was always going to be a clash with the filming but Fallout is is a great film it's a great film fair enough so that's it for our episode all about Man of Steel if you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast Our next episode will be all about Marvel's The Punisher Season 2. If you missed it, check out what Jason and I thought about Steel, a Superman spin-off starring basketball sensation Shaquille O'Neal. Have you seen that movie? No. Watch it as a kid. I bought the VHS. I talk about it on the podcast. I I would, though, for Shaq, because I grew up loving Shaq. It's on iTunes, $4.99. It is worth watching. Hell yeah. You've got John Bender from The Breakfast Club as the bad guy. 
Awesome. The the movie is ridiculous but charming. It but come is on, a lot Shaq, of fun. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, it's if I'm you in. <laughs> that name alone has me in. I yeah. will I'll watch for You him. know one of my favourite quotes is from that movie and it is um Richard Roundtree, the original John Shaft. Yes, John Shaft. Yeah. And he sees he's oh, he I think he's I've always recently watched this. He sees something, he's amazed by it, and he's like, Well, dip me in shit and roll me in breadcrumbs. <laughs> It is like a ridiculous line. That's great. It is. It is ridiculous. So bad. It's great. Honestly, it's ninety it. minutes, five dollars on YouTube, on iTunes. Dude, you've sold me. I'm there. And also, that film stew have recent reviews for Glass and Reign of the Superman. And Reign of the Superman. That's why I wanted to do Steel in the first place. Mm. So of course, John Henry Irons is one of the four Supermen. Yep. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Not a problem. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.